What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Kind of Different. We've been off for a few weeks, and man, am I excited for this episode. It is going to be just an absolute banger. Um, I am Matt Allen, CEO and co-founder of Different Kind and host of Kind of Different. And I am super, super excited to chat with and learn uh, today from some people who come from outside of the U.S. dental care system, um, who are doing some really innovative things, really thinking about care, uh, potentially in really different ways than we are uh, as we you know, get stuck in our own country and our own ways of doing things. And so uh, Catherine Rutland, who is the clinical director at Simply Health and Denplan, which is the you know, kind of Denplan is part of Simply Health, at least that's my understanding, Catherine. And then uh, Helen Goldsmith, who is a product manager and previously involved in kind of quality measures there and risk um, you know, at Denplan. So, Really just excited for both of you to join us today. Thank you so much for taking the time um, and would love for you kind of both to just give us a quick intro to yourselves before we dive into some of the questions. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's great to be here, Matt. I'm really excited to kind of find and that's kind of how we met, wasn't it? We've started to kind of explore innovation in that dental space and how can we improve patient experiences, especially through kind of digital systems. Um, which was kind of how we came to connect. Um, worked for the dental panel in the dental space for kind of 17 years. Don't have a clinical background, but have spoken to lots of dentists and lots of patients through kind of research channels and just through connections. So yeah, it's great, great to be involved today and be here. I love that. I do think that there's actually something really important about people who don't have a clinical background being involved in dentistry, right? It provides such a, a needed perspective. So absolutely love it. And thank you for, for joining us. Helen, Catherine, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, great. So um, yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you for inviting us on. As Helen said, uh, really pleased to be here. A great opportunity. Um, so I am a dentist by origin. Uh, I owned a um, practically all private practice for most of the time for almost 20 years. So have been through practice ownership. Um, I did work in hospital for a couple of years when I first qualified as well, and then started working for Denplan um, almost 15 years ago. And my role has expanded and changed over that time. And now I um, lead and lead on anything basically across all areas of the company. So um, it's been a real journey moving from clinical practice um, into into the more, uh, although the commercial world, obviously, of dentistry and dental practice, but into that wider, bigger um, commercial world of a, of a larger company has been an interesting journey. Um, but yeah, great to, great to be here and be able to talk about it. And, and I think some of the differences between the States and the UK as to how dentistry uh, works, so to speak. Totally. Um, well, let's dive in then. Let's, let's, let's start in the kind of innovation space, and because I think that you know, sometimes we think we're being really innovative here and we may have missed something, you know, that's actually happening somewhere else that's really important. Um, and so, you know, to kind of get to that area of what you are all focusing on right now, we just love to start there. But what is something that you're working on right now that's really exciting to you that's, you know, kind of making you excited to get up in the morning? We'd love to hear from both of you on that. Yeah. Um, lots of things, actually. Um, we're in a really, really great place to come. What we're doing at the moment is a lot of listening. Um, we're, we're always connected to customers, but we're really, really exploring kind of what are those, what are those pain points, what are those, where, where are those areas that we can really help our practices to supercharge their practices and deliver really kind of leading education experiences. Um, have we sort of settled on one thing? We're exploring lots of different things. I think patient communication definitely comes out as somewhere where there's room for improvement, whether that be um, 
supporting the practitioner in a digital way. So accounts of those communications be delivered um, digitally. Um, is that just something that can be offered in practice, whether it's um, videos, video explainers, that type of thing. So, so yeah, lots of, lots of different things, um, but yeah, quite centered around communication, I would say at the moment. I love that. Ellen, you said something there that I think is really beautiful uh, in terms of, you know, we're focused on listening. And I think that if we're approaching, you know, whether that's a patient or whether that is, you know, a problem or, you know, trying to improve, right, the, the, the quality of care and, you know, helping and supporting the practitioners that are part of Plan, right, um, to start with a listening posture. Oh, so, so very important. I absolutely love that. Um, Catherine, what about you? What, what's something that you're super pumped yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, I think now? for me, um, it's similar to what Helen's saying, but I think um, across the company, we're quite, we're quite old company, if that makes sense. So Plan in itself is 36 years old, but the uh, Simply Health is 150 years old. So two big old companies that, yes, that brings uh, lots of positivity and lots of knowledge and so on. But it's now we're really focusing on how do we move forwards? How do we turn sort of turn that experience into positive? And from the innovative perspective, how do we move as the healthcare system in the UK is shifting so uh so greatly um i think the pandemic as as everywhere has almost not changed the direction but accelerated the direction in some areas and and so we as a company now need to be right we we need to keep up with that how do we how do we make sure that we listen on uh, as helen says in the dem plan side very much to our practices or offices as you call them um but on the simply health side then how do we listen to the end consumer what's going on uh, certainly with our situation here with the nhs and so on how do we how do we really do that but also what i find exciting and i'm seeing more and more now is how do we use the knowledge in both sides of the company to better provide services and plans or whatever it is for that end healthcare provision um and i think mm -hmm. that that for me is a significant shift we've taken in the last year or so and it's um or more focused again in the last year or so. And I think that's a really positive thing. We're a purpose-driven organization. We're a mutual, so we're not beholden to shareholders. So actually to have that sort of purpose of improving access to healthcare and then really starting to see a change about it is, yeah, it's very exciting. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, let's dive into that piece of, you know, some of the, the differences right there too, in terms of innovation. Like what's something that you feel like that, and let's just expand to the UK in general right now. What's some of the things that you've worked on in the past or that you've done or that you've seen even that you feel like, wow, the UK has gotten this really right when it comes to innovation and here's how we've innovated that. Um, and maybe what are some of the gaps where you're like, yeah, like because of the way our systems are structured or whatever it might be, here are some spaces where we may have struggled. I would, I would love to just, you know, kind of get some insight. And if you want to speak to one or the other or both, that's totally fine. I think, uh, I mean, whatever. I suppose for, for me, I've got a big bias in the sense that I think the capitative model that we have for Demplan has never really been reproduced particularly well mm. around the world. And yet, when you look at so many of the areas of research, when people look at it from a completely objective perspective, capitation comes back and back and back. But actually, nobody really does it well, except for, I would say, we do. <laughs> so I think that <laughs> model that came in, as I say, 36 years ago, which was based around um, people being unhappy working in the health service, but from a dentist perspective and as a business owner, that real need to have that security of a um, returning patient base um, and and a regular income um, and the capital and therefore that lead into capitation. 
I think was a massive innovation that I think has not, you know, and in fact, Helen and I were talking about it earlier, weren't we, around or in the last few days around as as the rest of the UK healthcare model is changing and this the we were saying dentistry that we're probably about 10 to 15 years ahead in the sense of that certainly the that sort of private function because of the strength of the NHS is where can we use that knowledge that we have around capitation to benefit patients in other areas of healthcare and the other healthcare sectors of working as well so that they again if have the same concerns and same worries as dentists coming out of the health service have here now um it's the same issue for any small business owner it's the same issue so why how can we use that massive innovation into other areas which is you know it's exciting and and i yeah i'm but i know i'm very biased but <laughs> i do yeah hey i see it all the time in the us right now right we're talking about alternative payment models and value-based care and you look at you know oregon moving their you know kind of medicated you know system to a fully capitated model you know in dental even um and you know that's this huge innovative thing people are saying wow look at this it's you know and you guys have been doing it for a long time so i think we have a lot to learn um you know from from that innovation and uh, just because it's been around for a while i don't think makes it any less innovative and you know to your point of you know, it, it still hasn't happened, right? Um, and, and you're doing it well, which is amazing. So Helen, tell us your perspective here. Same, and, and like part of the conversation, or I've had conversations within the last two weeks of like other, other payment options and other payment, we're all kind of always exploring kind of how do people want to pay for dental care? Um, mm. And we just come back to that kind of capitation model being so positive because of course, another option is that you, you finance treatment, for example, you've got to go into practice, you've got something that needs doing, but that's a really negative experience because six months down the line, yes, you've had a root canal or whatever treatment it was you needed doing, and you're still paying for it in six months. Whereas the capitation model doesn't work like that. It's, it's if, if you look at it, it's so much more positive because you're constantly kind of budgeting for a need that might occur. Um, so it kind of, it, it flips it on its head. Um, I think I, I'd still say kind of the fundamentals, like Catherine said, that, that that's our kind of biggest piece of innovation. What we're then looking at is, okay, what around that can we do to make that, I don't know whether it's the patient journey in terms of um, their experience on a model or joining a practice, or how can we support a practice to make it easier to do business with us, all of those sorts of things. So it's not just about kind of innovating also in that digital space, it's also just innovative problem solving and it could be something really really small that in practice we've got the benefits of a big kind of corporate organization with lots of brains and lots of different different people and perspectives whereas in an individual practice you don't have that and I think we can't underestimate how something might seem really small to us but we can support one of our member practices just with something that's um just a different way to solve a problem that they've got day to day. Yeah, and I think I think with that as well goes the um, the prevention side of capitation from a clinical head perspective is to me certainly when I was in practice and owning a practice that in that fact that people will come we know from our re our research that people come more regularly if they're on a capitated product than they would if they were paying an individual fee for item so that sort of regular care certainly from a perio perspective you know that they'll come back they'll see the hygienist because it's it's all there and it's and and so that that side of it is i think very much where we come from as well is how can we really buy the patients into 
the, the models so that they are taking some responsibility for their own healthcare as well. Because as we well know, clinicians, we can, you know, we can tell them something that then, but actually we don't, we're not there with them every time they brush their teeth or every time they eat or <laughs> do whatever. So how do we make sure that we're encouraging that, that prevention side um, and really keeping that focus for them and them un- building those relationships so that they understand they have some control over their over their oral health it's not it's not well we just go to them when we need it sorted out it's their responsibility and they can do something about it and I think that's that's as a clinician certainly I've always found that really powerful Mm. man I I mean so much of this I think will resonate with so many leaders here in the U.S. as well and uh, I'm just super excited to share this already uh, even though you know we're we're only a few minutes into the conversation here so really really excited to share uh, because I think both of you have such a a needed perspective uh, in terms of where the U.S. kind of healthcare system is going and what we can learn, uh, you know, especially in dentistry. So, absolutely love that. Um, let's learn a little bit more about the two of you. I've, you know, enjoyed our conversations, enjoyed, you know, getting to know you all a little bit more through LinkedIn and, you know, seeing some of the things that that you all care about. Um, one of the things that I that I would love to just, you know, have you share, also, you know, in the same way that, like, hey, what are you excited to be working on? Um, not just in a work sense here, but what are you, what's something that you're proud of that you would want to share with people? Something that you feel like, wow, I've, you know, it could be work, it could be family, it could be whatever, right? But what's something that you're proud of that you feel like, wow, this is something that I've accomplished or done or, you know, been a part of that, that makes me happy? Well, I'll let go first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me, um, I think what I'm proud of is I, I had to completely pivot my career because I was complete. Mm-hmm. I was really happy in clinical dentistry, in practice, loved it, would never have thought about leaving it and then got hit by an autoimmune eye condition and was off work for eight months. And that was really shocking. Almost. I was, you know, I was young, relative. I was young. I was still in my thirties. You know, it was like, whoa, this can't be happening to me. And that, reality check then to be able to pivot and turn and I was then very shortly after given the opportunity to start working at Demplan and it wasn't so it wasn't something I would have ever have gone and looked for I don't think I would have had necessarily thought I had the skill set to do it so when I look then at the opportunity I've been given to go from that horrible place of thinking oh my gosh I'm never gonna be able to treat patients again I'm not going to be able to look after people to changing my mindset to actually but here in this role I can potentially affect more change um and Mm -hmm. a different change doesn't mean one you know it's just a different change and so forging forwards and keeping going and learning more went back and did my master's and in medical ethics and law and then did risk management qualification and then mentoring and coaching and and then building that and then now doing like policy work speaking with MPs around the role Mm -hmm. of mixed and private um, dentistry that that has been for me that's been massive to be able to really expand that reach and and with it take the company with it and you know the 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 pride of our teams our internal teams of what we do um and how we support practices and really keep that going and 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 take it into a wider space i think that's probably something i've been i would say i'm really proud of 
I love that. I love that. It's, it speaks to such a, your continual learning mindset, I think, in that, right? And, uh, you know, yeah, some people get stuck, right, in those moments of I have to pivot or whatever. But uh, I love that, the ability to, to just keep learning. And, and I get to see that at least a little bit from afar, right, of your ability to, you know, have an impact with MPs and to be able to talk about those kinds of things. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's so interesting. And for the U.S. Uh, listeners out there, right, an MP is similar to like a senator or, a, you know, House of Representatives person, your you're kind of yeah, elected apologies. government official. <laughs> Yes. No, totally. I, I know a ton about it because I follow a lot of UK soccer and, you know, just all, always reading about that. And there's, you know, reading UK newspapers and stuff like that. So, uh, but just, yeah, for those who, who might not know, wanted to, to clarify that. Um, Helen, tell us something that you're uh, proud of. Uh, in, in, yeah, that you yeah to I guess uh, sort of in a similar vein to Catherine, kind of um, career wise, have um, have always had a very I've always been interested in people and people's behavior and kind of and what drives behavior and come from a background of kind of whole whole of my kind of university studies was training to be a teacher kind of looking at more child psychology side of things um but it wasn't the teaching that was as interesting it was more kind of human behavior and what drives human behavior and how do you develop people um and I guess just being able to carry that through into a company who mm -hmm. value that so much, um, I'm, I'm, I feel very grateful and quite proud to be have been able to do that. And in many kinds of um, sort of leadership or management, been able to to develop people into different career pathways. Um, when I've uh, worked with the company, because it is something that's massively, massively valued at Simply Health, is kind of what 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 drives people how do we get the best kind of talent into the right places within the company and grow people within so i think yeah i'd say that's that's a big thing and she's right to be proud of matt because she is really good at it <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and I mean, obviously we need that so much in oral health right just understanding of human behavior and whatever but yeah so much of, of company development and building great teams right is is that piece that you're talking about of understanding what motivates people and you know how to speak to each person individually? I mean, there's just so much there, Helen. I, I absolutely love that, and uh, yeah, it's it's cool to hear uh, your answer there to to that question. Um, let's dive into making healthcare more human. Obviously, this is a global uh, thing, right? It's not a UK or a US thing. We all want to see our healthcare professional. You know, whether we're in Los Angeles or in London, right? We want to be able to see our our healthcare professional and have them see us, hear us, understand us, listen to us. I think the, the studies and the research show that consistently um, that people want that from their healthcare experience. So um, thinking about that from, you know, a, a perspective though of between our different, you know, kind of uh, countries, my perspective is that a lot of the kind of innovative work, you know, in this space has actually been done in the UK. Um, there's been, you know, more, and maybe that's system based, right? Because of, of the capitated model that you're all talking about. Um, but when you think about making healthcare more human, what's something that you feel like the UK has done really well? Um, and what's something that maybe you look at the U S and be like, oh yeah, we could incorporate that as well. I mean, I think in the dentistry side, I think, uh, it's interesting, you know, looking at researching for this around, I think actually in the dentistry side, we have we have shifted significantly away from paternalism and it's um and i think we're quite ahead of the game on that i think we went through a very challenging time around a high rate of complaints and consent was a big part and problem of that um and mm. when people started to look at it a lot of that was around the fact of not having those proper conversations at that consent point and really involving the patient in their decision around treatment um and so to be fair to the profession huge huge change then about 10 to 10 to 15 years ago 
Um, and obviously still always going to be, there's going to be tension there. But when you look at our regulator, the General Data Council, that that consent issue has definitely dropped off. That was, you were seeing people at the mm. regulator for consent. So I think um, that is something that, that you do see and you see it as a change if we have uh, dentists come in from other, who've graduated in other countries, you see it bumping up because actually the patients have now their expectation level is that mm. they should have that level of communication. So if they see a yeah. healthcare professional who maybe just isn't, just have come from a more paternalistic uh, base, um, then then it creates it creates that rubbing. We, we see it through our services that we offer around sort of uh, trying to uh, support with complaints, for example, um, and try and sol solve them without it getting into a legal or regulatory perspective. And, and yep. you see, you can see this. So I, I think that's something that we have been very good. Now, that's in dentistry. I think med um, medicine and the rest of healthcare is very much getting there as well. Um, but mm -hmm. I do think because we have, there is a relatively decent private base in the UK. There's now more private by money, more private treatment than there is NHS treatment. Um, certainly, yeah. as I say, from a financial perspective, but that allows people time to have those conversations. So it, yeah. yeah. Can I just dive a little bit deeper there, Catherine, and, and just ask a follow-up there? So you kind of mentioned this happened 10 to 15 years ago. Were there any kind of big themes running through, you know, at that time or like what, what helped facilitate that, right? Because that's a huge shift. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what from your perspective was kind of some of the enabling factors that allowed that to yeah, happen? Yeah, now I'm going to say something that I'm, people might shoot me for, but I remember when, um, <laughs> when I qualified, uh, it was still the point where we were less than half the year was female. And we used to joke, certainly about 10 years down the line, we used to say, we're changing the profession because we come at it from a very different perspective. Um, and we now have more every year coming out than males and we just deal with things no but it's not a right or wrong it's just the way we communicate is different um and mm -hmm. I, I say it's it's a slightly controversial thing to say um but i do think that natural that we that females have to have more open conversation has potentially driven some of that change so it's just a, like a natural natural shift yeah totally well thanks thanks um because of privatisation and kind of cap what the capitation model does so fantastically is allow more time to be spent with patients. Um, and I know conversations we've had this week, and if I think back, my son's dental appointment last week, it was it was just so kind of person centred. It was they 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 had conversations that suited him. He was kind of what's this bit for? Why is this light so bright? Do these glasses look cool on me? But there wasn't a there wasn't a kind of um, rush to get through all of that he needed that as part of his appointment so he's he's been through difficulties going to the dentist through nervousness so it it was great that they could take that time to focus on him and his needs to get him comfortable to sit in the chair at that time yeah i think i think really that's such a good example helen i think it is that you know, and people talk to each other, patients talk to each other. So it becomes a perpetual mm. thing, doesn't it? If somebody starts to do it, then everybody else has got to start doing it. Otherwise, everybody else is going to go down the road to the practice down the road. So it that, that yeah. natural competition <laughs> drives change. Yep. I love that. Um, man, yeah, such a great example. 
I mean, so man, I, I want to have this conversation for like three hours. Um, but I just have one more question because we always try to keep it like commute length, you know, of and who knows how long people's commutes are anymore with COVID and post COVID and whatever. But um, anyways, we, we try to keep it, you know, listenable for our viewers in one sitting. Um, so we won't we won't uh, have this conversation for three hours today. But um, one of the things that I think is always really helpful and especially probably helpful in your situation, given you're coming from a different system, is imagining ourselves as patients, right? Because we all are patients. We all, like Helen just mentioned, we have to take our kids there. We go there ourselves, whatever it might be. We take our, our parents there or whatever. Um, so what's one thing that you feel like, you know, and speak to dentistry specifically here if you can, but if not, feel free to you know share from broader healthcare experiences. What's one thing that you feel like uh, when you're a patient, something that does the, that, a, that a, you know, a dental nurse, a, a, a dentist, a hygienist, whatever it might be, does that actually builds trust with you and actually helps you to have that kind of care experience? I think we heard something from Helen right there of, you know, allowing that kind of time and kind of exploring that, whatever. I would love to just, you know, hear a couple, you know, other ideas there as well, because I think given what you're saying, we can, we can probably learn, you know, some things that uh, might, might be system, it might be systemic that we can adopt. For me, it's, it's, it is that opportunity for conversation. Um, mm. and not being a clinician to be able to ask those questions around what does this mean and also what does this mean after the appointment so how am I going mm. to feel how long am I going to feel like that it's those it's those really human questions and that human conversation um for me if that if that's not there then yeah there's not that opportunity to build trust that. Yeah, I, I mean, I would echo I that. I think uh, I've I've been in situations my, myself. I'm not thinking from dentistry perspective. It's always difficult when you're a dentist as a patient, isn't it? Because you know, lots of the things that are of concern to patient, you know what's going on. <laughs> so it's it's you know, you've already got that in your head. You know what's going to happen next. You know what's happening. But um, I, yeah. I had a few situations where I had my left hand operated on many years ago. <laughs> And um, as soon as I, which, and I'm left-handed, so, and I was still in clinical practice, so quite a significant op. And, it, and literally within, it was under general anesthetic, and within about 24 hours or so, when I kind of looked under the, uh, under this massive bandage that I had going on, I thought, mm, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. I had this very weird kind of hematoma thing, and it was huge. Mm. And, and it was like, uh, it's still there. So I rang in and said, uh, I had it done privately actually, and I, I rang in and said, look, I'm, I'm really concerned because I'm looking at this and this literally, and I was just fobbed off, literally fobbed <laughs> off of like, no, no, it'll just be this. So I thought, do you really think I'm that stupid? And needless to say, yeah. it wasn't. It was still there. And I ended up having to go back and have mm. it operated again. Mm. But there was no acceptance from the surgeon that it was, you mm. know, at that early stage, if, it, if there had been a completely different attitude at the early stage, that really taught yeah. me when I was looking after my own patients of got to take on board what they're saying, even if it's not necessarily something else, but you've got to make them feel like you're listening to them. You can't just dismiss it. It's so important that it's, it's their mm. health, their mouth, their whatever, and you've got to give them that opportunity to talk to you. So as Helen says, that time of them being allowed to explain, even if you have to explain why that isn't a problem or it isn't, it's, it, you've got to allow them that, got to allow them that. Man, uh, wow. So much goodness there. So, so much goodness. And, and one of the things that I think is relevant to, you know, the work that we're doing at Different Kind is we see 
that after visit management you both just spoke to what's going to happen after and Catherine like hey this is not what I expected right uh, we see that as one of the biggest issues for patients and I think even when we know that as clinicians right to be able to say oh this is what to expect and whatever you can tell someone hey this is what might happen and here's what my you know whatever um, but until you're living that moment it's hard to know how you're going to handle that emotionally you can understand it mentally but it's hard to know how to process that emotionally or you might have questions or you know feel something that you want to express or whatever right and i think what you're both saying is the ability even in those moments to to feel heard and listen to and validated and understood and to know where to go and to call and to do all of those it's just such a crucial piece in terms of what we see in the data of hey this is this is really crucial for patients so and really interesting yeah and just there. to add to that i think it's really important for us as clinicians to make sure we are not just listening to the clinical bit I, I always say mm. when I first started working for yeah. the company, I was in the privileged position of speaking because this service we do with with patient complaints, I was speaking to patients that weren't mine. So I had no emotional attachment yeah. from that perspective. I was listening to them and they would have had a response potentially from a defense organization that have had a good response, but it was all about the clinical. So they weren't happy and you'd listen to them. And yeah. there was a whole load of other stuff around it, around I couldn't book the appointment on time or somebody was a bit abrupt with me or this, that and the other. So no wonder the us is dealing with a clinical complaint thinking it's this clinical bit and they're not happy yep. because actually you haven't solved or addressed or even said sorry for any of the stuff that is around it and so they're never going to be yep. satisfied so you've really got to listen to all of it all of the content not we, we as clinicians are terrible for just going but it's all about teeth no yeah <laughs> so. and it's obviously not right that's oh man uh, again, thank you both so much for taking the time to join us today. I feel like I've learned so much from you in this conversation and through you know my interaction with both of you over you know getting to know you and interacting with you on LinkedIn. If people do want to connect with you or learn more about what you're doing at Denplan or you know what understand more about you know dental care in the UK or whatever it might be, um, you know, can you just give us some places where they could go to you know either connect with you or learn more? We'd love for you just to share you know hey if if, if listeners are interested in in learning more, where would they go? Yeah, I mean, certainly from my perspective, the best place probably is, is LinkedIn. Just send me a message. Uh, I think Helen's the same, aren't you? So that's probably the best. If you want general information, um, obviously the Demplan has a demplan.co.uk website. Um, but as I say, if there's anything uh, more specific that you'd love to learn from us, please do get in touch. We, as you can tell, very enthusiastic and passionate about what we do. We are only ever too happy to share it. <laughs> so, yeah. I love it. Uh, well, thank you both again so, so, so very much. It has truly been just an honor to get to have this conversation with both of you today. Um, really, really appreciate it. Like I said, super excited to share it. Um, and I know that all of our listeners will be much better for having heard it, and as, as am I. So thanks for taking the time again. Uh, look forward to Maybe we can bring you back in another season. Um, we can talk some more about these innovations that are currently happening that maybe have been rolled out and that you've seen actually maybe have data on. Um, would love to continue the conversation moving forward. So thank you both for taking Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.